Hello, fans old and new. And family members who don't message me as much as they used to. <laughs> Hello, my uncle. It's been a while. The last you heard of me, I was but the learner. And now I am over 30 years old. <laughs> Before we get into this field trip episode, we want to repose the question because we're doing in a couple months an episode based around a question that a listener sent in. And we want you, other listeners, to send in your answers to this to go along with ours to read on the air. And that question is, what do you like most about Angelino's? It's two questions. Oh. What should someone not from here be aware of to make their stay as agreeable as possible? So we want to hear what you think of that question, that double question, and... Uh, answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I was pausing to hear your answer. Send that in. We'll read it on the air. We'll attribute it to you. You'll become a, a massive star like we mm-hmm. clearly are. Hidden LA will write an article about you and not us. That'd be great. Not, Jared Kushner. What's his name? Jared Kushner. <laughs> Nathan, Steve Bannon. Nathan Masterson <laughs> and Steve Bannon will collaborate on an article about you. Uh, Nathan Masters, not Nathan Masterson. <laughs> I don't know who I'm yeah. talking about. The guy from that 70s show and the guy from the Daily Storm will write an <laughs> article about you. But yeah, send us your answer to that question because we want a lot of answers to go through uh, on that episode. And now here comes our field trip episode. Enjoy. Eat it. <laughs> We just ran here from the plaza. <laughs> from the city center. And we have news. <laughs> There's life. Life in the center of the city. We all thought it was decimated. Welcome, everybody. Old fans and new. Steve Bannon, whatever we talked about. in the <laughs> We went to... Get ready for it. I can't pronounce it. And I know you can't either. But it's going to fall on me because my last name is my last name. <laughs> it's less offensive when you say it. It's but... funnier when I mispronounce it because I should know how to say it. <laughs> Let me put some funny music under this. <laughs> La Plaza de Cultura y Artes. Which is that wasn't very funny. The Plaza of Culture and Art. Yeah. Oh, oh, or uh, as I've been referring to it, the the Plaza Museum. Yeah, it's the museum across the street from Olvera Street mm-hmm. that sort of chronicles the history of Los Angeles. And well, we'll get into it yeah, in yeah, the field yeah, trip yeah, in the here. episode. But yeah, we had a fun time there. The people we were with was Mariah Berlanga Shevchuk, who is the associate curator there, and also Esperanza Sanchez, who is the assistant curator there. And we were greeted by them, and uh, we got a full tour. We got. Uh, yeah, we got the. <laughs> it was a tour that basically taught us the entire history of yeah. Los Angeles concisely in like thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my yeah. favorite spots in Los Angeles because it's a, in one of those old, tall, original buildings of LA. Yeah, like, we also get into that. Yeah, yeah, the Brunswick Building, and also they gave us a tour of the current exhibits that they have going on mm-hmm. there. But there was also a special event going on, and we got to go to get a buffet of Porto's food, mm-hmm. which we referenced it in the episode that we like to say Greg took so much food. I didn't think that Yeah, you did it, but it was funny to say that you did because (laughs) it made you feel bad. I felt like a raccoon around just a bag of trash. And meanwhile, I probably had more food than you did. And I was like, get a load of this guy. (laughs) He's putting on a plate. I just eat it straight out of the box. But get a load of that guy. When no one was looking, I had five handfuls of croissants. There's a lot of cool stuff in the museum. And it's really... Again, as we talk about, the only place that sort of tells the like early, early, early mm-hmm. history. Of it's it's almost like a museum dedicated to LA history. Yeah. It doesn't start with the LA Times was exactly. Open. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't start with like well, the white guys got here, and then uh, the history actually started in not a lot of space. Not calling it small, but not a lot of space. They're able to cover centuries of important stuff. Yeah, and it's really great, and it's not just display cases. Like they actually have a lot of things that are interactive, which I think is really neat. Like when we took Pio Pico's top hat, <laughs> and we were. All 
while pretending to be the Monopoly man. Remember that with that priceless artifact? <laughs> they don't make heads like that anymore because that, that didn't fit any of us. We shook that guy's bone. We shook Unaparacero's bones, remember? Yeah, when we broke into the relic area. <laughs> we were playing Flintstones with all those people's bones, remember? Yeah, and then there was that part where they had the original charter of the city and we all had to sneeze at the same time and we all used it as a napkin. Remember that, everybody? But oh, we were told not to talk about that stuff. Oh, no. Oh, we did it again. Oh, oh no. God. And everything in there is now a facsimile. <laughs> Another thing that we didn't get to talk about in the episode that we went to afterwards oh, yeah. was they have this garden, this really nice garden outside that is growing like everything. Yeah. It's growing like all these herbs and vegetables and fruits. Which they mentioned they use inside of the um, Main Street, the Kali Principal they have in the thing, like some of the, like they like grow rose. Oh, yeah, right, right. And they yeah, use that for the actual thing. Smell. And they also grew fruit that we took home. Yeah, the, she <laughs> gave apples. us, they gave us apples and I ate a tomato right off the yeah. vine and, uh, and then I ate the apple. Yeah, and I had to ask about rats because I'm like that. I'm like, do you guys have rats here? And they're like, eh, not really. Yeah, not on the apples. It's a beautiful thing really, but like to be in a garden and there's the 101 freeway next to you and in the side of city hall like yeah. you're in the city center and there's this peaceful little garden yeah with and you can really taste the 101 in the <laughs> apple and yeah that street that like recreation of an old la street mm-hmm. that they have that's really cool and you can go into all the different buildings like recreations of yeah, uh, like pharmacy a pharmacy or a, a grocery store, store or a music or store a barbershop store, yeah. was there a barbershop no Oh, then who cut my hair? Barber. If you want to learn more about the stuff they have going on, at, they have a lot uh, of events. There. Yeah, they have a lot, and it's free. Yeah, it's a free thing. We hammer on a lot, but we can't hammer on enough. It's free. It's free. Check them out on Facebook to see what they have going on, or also on their Instagram at La Plaza LA. That's La Plaza La. Mm-hmm, La Plaza La. <laughs> Support them. Go visit them. Please. Listen to this. Also, you can, if you like us, leave. Hey, new listeners and mm-hmm. old listeners, leave us a review on iTunes. And leave us five stars on your podcast app, or if you have iTunes on a Windows computer on your desktop. Now that it's, I think, obsolete on everything else, leave us some stars. It helps us out. Gets more people like you finding us. New listener. New listener. Hi. How are you? Uh, you can follow us, or you already have on Instagram, Ali underscore Meekly. On Twitter, Ali Meekly. You can email us, Ali dot Meekly at Gmail. Dot com. I don't if, know why we've made it so complicated and having three different things, but whatever. Yeah, I know. If you work at or know someone who works at at a place like this around the city and you want us to come interview you, send us an email or contact us some way. Also on Facebook, YouTube, you can listen to mm-hmm. this. You can also support us on Patreon if you like for as little as $5 a month. We can send you handwritten, crafted, Somewhat. edible postcards. <laughs> Please eat them. There's no note on it that says you can't eat it or shouldn't be eating it. It's just We're not common doctors, knowledge. but we eat everything. <laughs> just ask Greg at the Porto's. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy. Hey, enjoy. Enjoy it. See ya on the other side. We won't be there. Sucker. Oh, and microphones here. Not Sometimes people get really relaxed and they'll talk here. And okay. like, no, no, Mi- no. Microphones here. Some people who have been doing the podcast for six years still do that. Because your hand is naturally <laughs> thinly veiled. <laughs> dick right there. Was it veiled? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you both, and how long have you lived in LA? I'm Esperanza Sanchez. I've lived in Los Angeles my whole life, born and raised. Wow. I have transitioned from living on the west side to moving closer to LA. 
so in downtown what area. part of west side if you allow me to interrupt i'm between baldwin hills culver city okay. um so basically it's west adams but not the historical aspect it's more <laughs> the 1920s like bungalows so oh, okay. where the expo line is now by the redondo right. so mm-hmm, okay. and now i'm here at la plaza the cultura de artes um and i've been here for three years and i'm the assistant curator here i'm mariah berlanga shevchuk i live in mid-city mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i have been in la for five years now i went to grad school in san francisco and now work at la plaza de cultura y artes with esperanza i'm the associate curator here mm-hmm. where are you from originally tucson arizona <laughs> <laughs> she's so proud of i love it. getting asked that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> second question are you from tucson <laughs> Uh, so the greatest city in the yeah. states. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you kind of you already already went through the next two questions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you answered all twelve in one. Impressive. Yeah. I say again, where we are exactly? We are here at the LA Plaza de Cultura y Artes. This is where the city pretty much started, the founding of Los Angeles. Uh, we are down here in downtown LA, close to Chinatown, and of course, close to Union Station and Olvera Street, right across street right off of main street mm-hmm. yeah right off of main street and the 101 directly across from placida olvera um which is the founding place of the city mm-hmm. but from a olvera we can get into later but that is like a very white american version of yeah. the founding whereas la plaza is um, is the only mexican mexican-american and latinx museum in the city dedicated to the stories and the art of that community and so we consider ourselves more the founding mm-hmm. of la and you both i think said this already what do you do here? <laughs> well, as we said, we are the curators here. I'm the assistant curator here at La Plaza Cultura y Artes. I'm the historian here on the team, and Mariah. I'm the associate curator. Um, we both do a lot of different things as curators at a small museum. We deal with the objects, with the collections, so we do what other museums have a, a dedicated registrar is mm-hmm. a, a position in museums that deals with the objects and with the loans we do all of that ourselves mm-hmm. um, we also dabble in museum like exhibition design we work on the tours we work on the educational components that go with exhibitions so mm-hmm. while we're the curators and our main job is research and writing we do a lot more than yeah. just that <laughs> yes we're involved in the interactives and also installations and deinstallations and um, pickups and drop-offs of collections that we do not own well because you were saying that there's not much that is owned specifically by the building so it's sort of a collaboration with every every archive amongst the city <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah. yeah archives museums gallery spaces lenders private or, or public uh-huh. yeah we reach out to them and um, to incorporate their objects or artworks into the the exhibitions that we have here at La Plaza. Yeah, we don't, uh, we're not a non-collecting institution, which is not super common for museums, but if you're smaller or if your exhibitions change over frequently, it can be more common. So we we don't own any of these objects, which Esperanza has alluded to. We borrow a lot from local lenders, be they libraries, galleries, um, private owners, but more often than not, we're working with other local historical societies and local libraries. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this? I want to know. I'm always, I'm, I'm very curious in <laughs> art curating. I never wanted to be a curator before this job. <laughs> we <me>. got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want um, to do. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm out. No, um, I, I have a master's in museum studies, and I have always wanted to work in museums, to, to be clear. I always loved history. 
I've always loved being around objects and um, have natural writing and reading skills, so <laughs> curating really worked out for me. Um, but I'm just passionate about museums as community spaces and what they can do to actually uplift and represent the communities that they are based in. And I grew up here in LA. There's a lot of diverse um, cultures here and also a lot of museums, so I grew up going to those all the time. At the time when I was a child, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in museums, but further out as the financial crisis happened in 2008 and 2009, I decided I want to go into teaching and history was always my passion. And so I have a, ba a bachelor's and a master's from CSUN focusing on U.S. and Latin American relations, but mostly focusing on the Cold War. Um, and so because I have that history background and I started as an education person, I moved into the museum world um, in 2013 when I started working at the Autry Museum. Okay. So while working there as an educator there, um, I started diving into working with the curatorial team there. And that's how it ended up leading me here with the internships I did at CSUN and also the research background that I have. Um, so I worked at the Museum of Latin American Art and I was a guest curator there focusing on a Latinx um, comic book series focusing on the cultures and the communities instead of the superheroes that most people tend to focus on comics books and ended up here at La Plaza doing all of that research in history and in art. What do you think of the Wendy Museum since you were focusing mm. on the Cold War? Yeah. And you lived in Culver. Exactly. Cold War it's, City. It's, it's different. I think they focus a lot on the European perspective. Um, it's obviously the Cold War, which is also what I studied when I was doing my bachelor's. But going to the Wendy Museum there, I realized like I want to focus on Latin America, especially because my parents are immigrants. And so they came in in the 70s. And while Mexico wasn't really dealing with the Cold War, a lot of Central Americans and Southern Amer uh, South Americans were. So they were migrating here um, to the MacArthur Park or the Westlake area. So that's where my focus kind of went over because I felt that the Wendy Museum was, was missing that link. They're still focusing on the Cold War, um, but Every not, Euro yeah, perspective. Euro perspective, yeah. The cold country part mm -hmm. of the Cold War. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. which a lot of immigrants were coming over because of the repression that they were dealing with there at the time. So it makes sense. Well, you kind of were getting to it, what, uh, what this place's role is in the city because you were saying there's not that many dedicated, like the Natural History Museum kind of has a thing, the Autry Museum kind of has mm -hmm. a thing, but this mm -hmm. is... Like, this, this is this place's thing. <laughs> yeah, this is the only museum in the city that solely focuses on Mexican, Mexican-American, and Latinx experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in terms of our role in the city, I think we're crucial. I think everyone who moves to L.A. or mm -hmm. grew up in L.A. should come here mm -hmm. because we have a permanent exhibition called L.A. Starts Here. Um, that's where we're sitting as we tape this <laughs> podcast. And it tells the history of the founding of the city from a Mexican perspective, which you can't divorce the Mexican perspective from yeah. the story of the city. This land used to be... Mexico and I think too few people know that so everyone who lives in LA should come here and learn a, a bit about how they came to be on the land that they're on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you guys do what we like to do, which is put a lot of blame on uh, the Spanish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. The, they might not like us. Yeah. Mm. The, the, pl the part dedicated to the missions is all about the torture <laughs> devices. Right. Pretty much. And we get a lot of positive feedback about mm -hmm. that because so few institutions are willing to go there. Um, yeah. And as a Latino organization, like, we do have a close relationship with the church and a lot of our visitors are very involved in the church still and a lot of our staff is too. Yeah. Um, but we didn't, you know, we're not going to lie. We're yeah. not going to cover up and, and lying by omission is just as bad as outright lying. And so, yeah. you know, we felt a responsibility to that history. No, definitely. And as a trained historian and also Mariah can... Uh, 
jump on this as well is you want to give the perspective. So you do want to talk about the bad things and also the good things yeah. as well. So you can't just, you know, say the mission say the mission system did this and not talk about the actual repercussions of what it did yeah. to the land and to the people that were here. So we do discuss it in, in that situation and in other situations, too, as well. It is weird that it's because it's not like in, in school talked about that that much mm-hmm. so it's kind of weird it, it's almost like validating to have a museum talk about it because it's it's when they don't talk about it it's kind of like well why isn't anyone addressing this mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Field trips as a kid, do you take to the missions? Oh yeah, yeah. your whole fourth grade curriculum, and yeah. we actually do get a lot of fourth grade classes that come to LA starts here, and mm-hmm. they spend a lot of time with that section. And our educators don't shy away. I mean, yeah. they make it age appropriate, but they do <laughs> talk about the repercussions. Let's get really graphic. Yeah, <laughs> right. You could. I mean, and we don't. This I think is a um, syphilis job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the syphilis yeah. shackle. That's essentially what we <laughs> have here. I, yeah, I think our education team here, at least the teachers and also the public programming, does dive into discussions of what's going on in LA history and also connecting it back to the contemporary throughout the United States but I think here they're keeping the balance of demonstrating what actually the mission system did but also what was going on with the local population the indigenous that were here because it's confusing when you hear you're not raised taught that much about it and then you read about it later and then you see that what's his name is becoming a saint or whatever it's very confusing yeah we're (laughs) trying to correct um, like kind of the western education system here I mean museums I will advocate till I die that the importance of them in public education um, and so it's really gratifying when school groups do come here and learn something at a young age because yeah. we can think about our upbringing and how what we were taught about me being raised in Arizona I got a very she skewed very <laughs> love bringing up Arizona come visit <laughs> I should just move back no. but you know we think about our our own upbringing and our own education and how lacking it was in talking about not just this the mission system is one example but we can talk about slavery in the mm-hmm. United States and in Latin America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't really realize how many African enslaved people were brought to Latin America until I started working here. And it's mm-hmm. monumental in comparison to what was in the U.S. And so like there's all kinds of once you realize what you've been missing in your education, yeah. like you can start to really delve into the other untold stories. And we in the curatorial department really make a focus of representing underrepresented voices. So you'll find a lot of stories of indigenous perspectives and particularly of women um, in all of our exhibitions, not just our history shows. So this might be hard to answer here, but both of you, what do you think is the most important thing here? Like the most important object or the most important story? <laughs> it's up to interpretation. Yeah, it basically, yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, for me, I think the unconstitutional deportations that happened in the 1930s, I think that's a story that is very much LA, but it's something that is still happening today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the backlash and the discrimination that people face, I mean, it's something that you can listen to the videos. I mean, I get sentimental because my parents are immigrants and so are my grandparents yeah. and even my great-grandparents. They came from Europe and they were in Mexico and married the indigenous population there. So for me to listen to a video and have a man cry you know and say that he lost his father because he was deported in the 30s and didn't see him until much more later on when he was no longer living for me that's a connection i mean the fact that you have children that are being separated at the border from their families and we're the one of the museums in la discussing that situation that happened in the past and this push and pull factor with immigrants in the united states so to me i think that's very important it's, I, it's very important to go to a museum and find something that's still relevant mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. and now and mm-hmm. yeah, to have that connection. Hatred mm-hmm. is cyclical. It's yeah, it, it's it, back. Tru- it truly is. I actually would agree with Esperanza. Um, the story of the unconstitutional deportations is is an LA story, but it's a United States story, and I think we're the only museum in the country that has a permanent 
space dedicated to telling that history. Mm-hmm. And as she mentioned, that is happening right now. Yeah. Like the exact same things that happened. And so for people, like I was posting about it on Twitter earlier, <laughs> and people like are shocked that they've never heard of this history before. Again, it's one of those stories you don't learn, mm-hmm. but it impacted everyone in the exactly. U.S. when it yeah, happened. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I knew about the stuff that happened in the 30s until maybe a year ago. Yeah. And the missions are great as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> That's what I was raised to believe. No. Right. No, you're fed a lot of propaganda, like a very it's nationalistic like, propaganda in public education. And yeah. so we're really trying to counter that. But I, I don't see what the, I don't, like, who are we trying to defend? Yeah. America doesn't like dealing with its own racist history. Yeah. So here we are. <laughs> and also, I mean, it is hard to, you know, we sometimes have community members that come in and, you know, they would like for us to just spin the positive aspects yeah. of it. And for us, it's very important to be honest, but also to give people the background information that they weren't being taught Mm -hmm. in school or because they immigrated here or their family wasn't able to provide that foundation. We're providing it in order for them to understand what happened, how they can fight back in many ways, using history as an example, but also Mm -hmm. help their community as well, whether it's people of Mexican origin or Latin American origin or someone else that's coming from Europe. It doesn't matter. We're all immigrants in some shape or form in the United States. We always try to connect the present to the past in all of our exhibitions, no matter what they're talking about. Um, It could be an art show, like a photography show we were talking about earlier. We have an art show right now, and it's entirely art, but there's so much historical context rooted in this exhibition because of the data that the artist is translating into imagery. And so we're always trying to talk about the lessons from history and how they can be applied to make for a better society today. Exactly. So empowering the people. That's what we believe in. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to talk about the current exhibit right now? Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Linda Vallejo, Brown Belongings. It is uh, La Plaza's first solo show dedicated to a woman artist. And to make up for the lost time, we gave her both of our temporary galleries, which is the first time La Plaza has ever done um, a show of this size. Mm -hmm. So we made up for the short shrift. The show focuses on the last 10 years of Linda's practice. She's been an artist, a professional artist for 40 years. And the last 10 years of her work has focused on brownness. So not only brown skin, but brown culture and brown identity and how those who identify as brown navigate the U.S. And so she, com- we've combined four portfolios of her work, mm-hmm. half of which deal with data, half of which deal with um, representation. And so in one series, Make Em All Mexican, she's literally taking white imagery and she's painting it brown. Um, and it kind of gets at the idea of how popular culture is shaped by white imagery and we don't even realize it until you're looking at a picture of Shirley Temple and she's painted brown Mm -hmm. and you're like oh that was me as a child but I never saw an image like this before and then you know we've had a lot of visitors have very very strong emotional reactions to the artwork because they're seeing themselves represented for the first time mm-hmm. how do how do like what do they do you like, want to tell the story react? yeah, oh, I yeah hear definitely a story. um we did a we did a walk through linda and i um last week a public tour and we had a mother who is a teacher for fourth grade or fifth grade i can't remember what uh, but in elementary and she brought her two daughters with her and she started crying she said you know it was very positive and reinforcement for her to see brown skin on some of these images celebrated yeah in yeah. Definitely. And I mean, she teared up because she says that she feels like she has to kind of shield her daughters away from some of the things that are being said by the, the president, the administrators. And it just for her, it's so fearful that, you know, she fears that her 
children are growing up in a society where they're being discriminated because of their skin tone and because of their culture and to see that La Plaza has two floors to demonstrate that she wants to bring her her students to come and see the show as well to empower them that's so that's one of the positive things that we have vis- have seen ourselves but I'm sure there's more positive feedback we've, from we've other people. We've had tearful reactions specifically to the the childhood section that mm-hmm. we have um, I think because it just strikes a nerve with people who grew up in a certain generation, perhaps older than Esperanza or myself, we're both in our late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people who are a couple generations older than us really never saw this kind of representation when they were growing up. For us, it's a little more normal. There's obviously still quite a ways to go, but we benefit from seeing the work of the activists and the community organizers who've come before us, yeah. who really made a lot of strides to strike at some equal representation. And obviously there's a long way to go, but if you didn't grow up like us, like I think there's a lot to be confronted with here um, and so it's a very powerful show in that way mm-hmm. and it also showed us that Latino John F. Kennedy is <laughs> yeah. Desi Arnaz it turns <laughs> out <laughs> and he's handsome as Linda would say <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah and as I mentioned with that piece Linda really wanted to kind of focus on like yes you know the United States really started on the east coast yeah. but there was a community of people here when this city was founded in 1781 so she's saying imagine if these presidents were people of color other than president barack obama how would have that how would have history changed in that aspect that whole politics section we even have a a piece of um augustus the augustus of prima portia there's a a replica of a very famous statue of him who is one of the most famous roman emperors and she's painted him brown and so it really begs the question of what would the state of the the world be like today if people of color had been in positions of power throughout history and, there, and really, Linda's goal for this whole exhibition is to get people to be in conversation with one another. She has a series of work called The Brown Dot Project and Dados Sagrados. They both deal with data, um, and they translate statistical facts about Latinxes in the U.S. Could be their educational attainment, their, their workforce status, um, their marriage and household statistics. Yeah. Um, and she translates them into images. And so the idea is to spark a conversation like, oh, did you know? 44% of Latinas have a high school degree or lower like that might you know and that yeah. might be a fact that you didn't know about your own community or if you're a non-Latinx coming to see the exhibition like you're learning something that's maybe different from what you're hearing yeah. in the media so yeah we're really trying to empower people to be able to combat and resist stereotypes about the Latinx community right. especially with immigration too she talks about people who are native U.S. born citizens in comparison to people who are immigrants as well so that's stats around because most people if you ask them out on the street they probably don't know what the stat is i mean i don't remember or they'd place it much lower thinking that all latinxes in the u.s are must be undocumented immigrants whereas actually 65 percent of latinos living in the states now were born here Mm -hmm. um so you know got to kind of punch him back with that yeah. little fact. Exactly. Yeah. Hit him with data. Hit him yeah. with data. <laughs> and she uses the data in many ways and presents these beautiful designs yeah. that you have no idea that has this stat behind it's it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's wonderfully done. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Before we get to the next question, I want to hear, because I had no idea about the Cinco de Mayo thing <laughs> that it started in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which is we're just hitting people with all kinds yeah. of unknown, <laughs> unknown facts here. It's cool because, you know, there's a lot of things like you, you're hearing a lot about what's going on at the border right now, but yeah. little would you know that it actually has already happened. And also Cinco de Mayo obviously is a huge American celebration and has become quite white in the last <laughs> few years, in the last many years, not That's few. our other podcast is yeah. quite white. Quite <laughs> white. 
So yeah, so Cinco de Mayo, I mean, and Esperanza could talk better about this, but Cinco de Mayo was founded by Mexican women in Los Angeles as a way of celebrating their patriotism for their country. So Exactly. Um, I mean, you had women here who had their children fighting for the war during the Civil War here. And of course, you have it both fighting for both sides of the war, but in most cases, they were fighting with the North. And so you also had France who was giving a lot of money to the South. And so they were trying to fight back because in many ways, you know, France was trying to invade also Mexico. They lost with Puebla, yeah. which is celebrated there, but it's not celebrated <laughs> in Mexico completely because um, it's only there for Cinco de Mayo. But here in the U.S., it became an American tradition because you have these Mexican-American women that are trying to not only provide the funds for their own children to win the war, but it's also to push France away. And it's a way to celebrate, to demonstrate that they've been here from the very beginning. So, yeah, Cinco de Mayo is mm-hmm. not Mexican Independence Day, mm-hmm. as <laughs> probably a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. And it is not celebrated in Mexico except in Puebla, which is where the battle took place yes, against exactly. France. But it's more than just about the Battle of Puebla. It's, it's about Mexican-American women celebrating their patriotism and mm-hmm. um, the fight against racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and exactly. And white supremacy. I feel like every year it's someone is explaining it's not Mexican Independence Day yeah. and it always confuses me and now it's even yeah. more confusing yeah. to me. That Mexican Independence <laughs> Day is in September <laughs> so mm-hmm. celebrate it then. Exactly. Mexico City has a big party so I would yeah. recommend it. <laughs> yeah, check it I out. Mean, celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, <laughs> I mean no one will there. <laughs> Want to compare it to the U.S. and Mexico? They have a big party. Yeah. <laughs> so. so what is your favorite thing here? Ooh. I really love the building that we're in. I'm mm-hmm. a geek for history. We've, we've already established that both mm-hmm. of us really love history. Yeah. Um, I get a total kick out of like the historical building aspect of this job. And our offices, we're very lucky that we are on the second floor of the Plaza House, which is part of the conjoined structure that we're in. But the skylight that's mm-hmm. in the second floor is really really beautiful and it's historic it, it was there previously I'm it just got reconstructed it was re- it was it got burned down at a certain point yeah the, bu- yeah the building that we're in has existed since the late 1800s both of the buildings have yeah. been around since then both buildings went through different uses um the one that i'm talking about the plaza house was a boarding house okay. at one point so it was basically a hotel and it had shops on the first floor and the offices that the curators are in are actually old boarding rooms <laughs> so i have a fireplace in my office oh. and it's really cool <laughs> and it just makes me feel like I'm part of history every day when I come to work and like get to be in my office yeah Yeah. Yeah. I do too I like the buildings especially because I'm a historian I'm (laughs) someone that really loves it and I love that the city and also we have to give credit obviously to Gloria Molina who is our founder for this institution it couldn't happen without her and the efforts of other people but what I think I enjoy the most is that they repurpose these two buildings in order to be a museum the same way that El Pueblo did as well Um, and it's something that the city has really been doing now with downtown LA Mm -hmm. trying to repurpose the buildings down there yeah Yeah, the LA Conservancy worked very closely with Gloria Molina to oh, um, mm-hmm. re- like retrofit the buildings. So our, our facilities director likes to say that it's essentially a building within a building, which it is. There's a brick facade and then inside is like steel and mm-hmm. and wood, but there is some original, there are a lot of original features still and you can see these columns mm-hmm. are like very old oh, yeah. wood. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they're just mm-hmm. covered up so that people don't touch them. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, the, you can find little elements of things. It does make curating in an old building, like it does make it more challenging for sure. But you know, if you love history, you're, you're down for the ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would LA be without this place? Um, or what would LA be like without this oh place? Oh gosh. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I think I think maybe because this is probably one of the only places in LA that talks about the Latino um, experience here in Los Angeles and throughout the United States. It's really hard because the only closest one after this place is the Museum of Latin American Art in Long Beach. Yeah. I don't know. I Just think it would be a disservice. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I think it would be a disservice because we're right across the street from Alvarez Street and I feel 
yeah it would just be Sad, sad, I think. It's yeah. a, it, that's kind of like a double-edged sword for us because we're only nine years old. Mm-hmm. And as such, um, many people don't know about us. Like, yeah. I think if you talk to people and you say like, oh, I work at La Plaza nine <laughs> times out of 10, maybe maybe 99 out of 100 people are like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Or Plaza de la Raza. They think that yeah. we're another cultural organization in the yeah. city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard because to ask what would LA be without La Plaza, it'd probably be the same because people don't know about us. But I think if more people knew to come here, especially those who do go to Olvera Street and get one version of the city's founding and its history, (laughs) like they should always come here to counter and to learn the true history, I would argue. Mm -hmm. Um, As as you may or may not know, Olvera Street was founded by a white woman in the Mm -hmm. 1920s. Christine Sterling. Christine Sterling as a romanticized version of like the Spanish-Mexican romantic ideal. And That didn't really hit me until I started doing research on China City and I uh, looked at all the other stream like, oh, it's Disneyland. Uh, yeah. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a Mexican Disneyland. Yeah. But it has been super mismanaged. And yeah. it's starting to kind of rebound. And a lot of the um, vendors that are there are actually Mexican or Latinx now. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, it was still white owned. And mm-hmm. so it was like a total farce. But it gets a lot of tourists. And then they don't come across the street because they don't know about us. Yeah. So yeah. But there are people that do come around, which yeah. is always great. And I feel like that's where our outreach and education team come in. But it's not as bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's um, within our own community yes yeah. I feel like reaching out to other people is a little bit harder mm-hmm. but I think it's just the way we are located I mean LACMA and Getty get everyone to go over yeah. while yeah. with us is a little harder and they've been around yeah. much longer so to be fair we, we are a new institution yeah. and I think we would be very central to Los Angeles's cultural scene if more people knew about us I mm-hmm. think that what really matters is this is one of the best LA history places mm-hmm. in town and you're in the center of it like where yeah. the city started to and we're free <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> Exactly. To mention. Uh, how do you feel about people in LA's uh, attitude towards the history of LA? I mean, Could, I, I think not enough people know the history of LA. That, I mean, we know that's that, what we're struggling with. Yeah, <laughs> well, and we're a city, and I'm an example of it. Like, we're a city of people who aren't from here. Yeah. And so it's, I think, really tough to get people to appreciate the history and like the culture that exists here. Mm-hmm. You go anywhere else in the country, and they're like, oh, LA has no culture. LA yeah. has no history, and it's so not true. So it's hard like we're Mm -hmm. really trying to combat that and educate people and I think we do a really great job of getting people through the door with our programs Mm -hmm. we're also a cultural center Um, you know we're not just a museum so we do have like a wide range of programs that talk about all kinds of different elements of Latinidad and Mm -hmm. um, range from music to food tastings to walkthroughs with artists you know we try to kind of capture it all and that's where we see a lot of people coming in it's just it's harder to kind of get other people to come over if they're interested in art or if they're interested in in history and as a historian I love it so I'm all over the place Mm -hmm. trying to figure out the history of everything (laughs) googling things and doing all these things but I'm also aware that a lot of people don't have an interest in the subject matter until they see a a photograph or they see something that they're like oh I didn't realize that was going on or KCT you know (laughs) documented it because they're very good about doing short stories short um, columns about that as well yeah and I think that more people in LA could come to appreciate LA's history if more places in LA spoke about their history so like if you go to Dodger Stadium you're not going to see anything about Chavez Ravine or the wealthy Mexican community that existed there for generations before the Brooklyn Dodgers came in and the city of LA facilitated the wiping out of that entire community and you can go to Dodger Stadium and you won't learn anything yeah. about it. And I think that's a disservice to the residents. Yeah. And they renamed the the street there too that was you know connecting it back to Travis Ravine as well. So yeah. you're kind of erasing that history, even though mm-hmm. the city doesn't realize that that is going on as well. And also when the Dodgers came, not only did they get rid of Travis Ravine, but all the little Latino baseball teams in the area yeah. just... 
dissipated mm-hmm. after that. We too. did an exhibition on a few years ago, yeah. Pel- Peloteros <laughs> in Paradise. <laughs> yeah. And it's a combination of both the city and the Dodgers and other factors that capitalism capitalized it on that. Yeah. yeah, Dodgers wiping out our history. <laughs> yeah. Stupid Dodgers. And, it, and so it's very ironic to me to see so many like Latino Dodgers supporters. I mean, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that there's some like some unifier in the community, but it's also like if they knew that history, would they be? S- maybe they'd yeah. all be Angels fans. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know the history of the Angels, so I can't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Angels work at the missions. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> they're from the missions, yeah. They wouldn't like either. Who knows who they'd like? And they're in Orange County. I mean, yeah. they were part of getting uh, they Chinatri. Get them to admit that. Apparently, they insist on saying they're Los Angeles. Yeah, um, that's a rivalry, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what is the strangest thing that's ever happened here? I'm, I'm ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> well, so this story, this didn't actually happen to either of us, but this did happen to the former senior curator here. So there's a story that in her office, a woman, uh, one of our our porters um, who was cleaning the offices went into her office after hours and saw a midget cowboy spinning in the chair. And the woman quit on the spot and she she walked out of La Plaza and she never came back. And so Erin, our former senior curator, she did some research because as I mentioned, the Plaza house where her office was, was a boarding house. Uh And she found a cast photo from a midget cowboy movie that was filmed in the 30s. And there was one person circled in this picture with an arrow pointing down and I'll send you guys the picture. Oh yeah, please. Um, And so she suspected that perhaps the cast of this midget cowboy movie was stayed at the Plaza House while they were filming, which did happen, um, and that that person died, and they are still... Although, what happened to me personally, uh, someone... Were you here when that this guy came in who was like a medium or a oh ghost boy. whisperer? Yeah. He came in, he got very upset that we wouldn't put his artwork on display because he was white. And uh-huh. he was like, sorry, but we're dedicated to people who are Mexican. Yeah. Um, and he was like, oh, well, there's ghosts everywhere here. There's someone behind you right now. And I was just like, cool, I gotta go. Thanks for sharing. So, um, La Plaza is definitely haunted. Okay. That's, yeah. That's good yeah. to know. Sadly, I don't have any of those stories. Um, I have other ghost stories, but I not not from this place. Um, so, I, I'm very lucky. And, I, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to know because I want to leave. <laughs> if that yeah, were to happen, I would run. The, if you go in the basements late at night, it feels feels very creepy down there. Mm-hmm. Former tunnel. The former opium den tunnels. Mm-hmm. A great phrase. <laughs> the former opium den tunnels. What's this place's best kept secret? Besides old opium den yeah. tunnels? Yeah. Besides <laughs> that, that ghost they're hiding upstairs. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I think all of what we do is a little bit of a secret because, again, mm-hmm. people don't necessarily know about us. Yeah. I think our free Summer Salsa series is pretty incredible. Tell um, us about that. So the second Friday of the month, um, every summer, we do a free concert series of salsa bands. And so that's actually a really great way of getting different communities through the door because salsa is um, based in African like African origin yeah. there's um, we're working on a show about Afro Latinidad that opens next year and so mm-hmm. kind of exploring Latino music quote quote and how it's actually very much based in African origin yeah. um, and so we have a free concert series I think it's four months because it's for the whole summer and people come we set up a dance floor salsa groups come and like practice dancing wow. here but it's totally free and we actually have a lot all of, almost all of our programs are free so mm-hmm. I think 
our our cultural programming is probably our best kept secret. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's good to know. Especially when they're late at night too. They're between seven and nine. Sometimes yeah. mm -hmm. even eight to ten. Um, but you know, it's hard for people to get down here, downtown LA, especially if they're stuck in traffic. Right. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that <laughs> question. Because I'm thinking Union Station's right there. It's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then you gotta be in Union Station. Right. And then you have to take the metro. Yeah. In LA. That's mm -hmm. the hard part. So what? When's the best time to come here? Well, not on Tuesdays because mm. we're close to the public. Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, Wednesdays through Mondays. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, on the weekends, we're open from 12 to 6 p.m. So people are able to get here. You know, the people do come to Alvera Street or they're coming over from Union Station or going to Placita, the church Placita next door to us. They'll wander in here yeah. and they, they start to get comfortable and, and come more frequently. And this place is really inviting, mostly because it's free. But also mm -hmm. like, yeah, just having the doors open and be like, OK, well, here's a door open and it looks old. I'm going to walk into it and then you find a list. Yeah, yeah we're, we're working on putting some signage out front on Main Street that lets people know even more clearly that this is a museum. Yeah. Um, but we're lucky that we're in like a historic museum district. Mm -hmm. So the Chinese American Museum, yep. um, the Italian American Museum, and the Museum of Social Justice are all within a one block radius of us, and they're all free. Yep. So we we're trying to partner with all of these organizations yep. to create like a little historic museum district, similar to Museum Row right. in, yeah. in Miracle Mile. Um, Case in point, as we're <laughs> someone's trying to get in the door right now, yeah. but the door's locked. <laughs> There's your problem. It's not, not the answer. Right. <laughs> It's misleading. There's right. doors everywhere. <laughs> That's how welcoming we are. Well, they can't, they can't figure <laughs> out how the to doors get are locked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, Choose people, wisely. you know, sometimes they'll read the signs properly. Yeah. And if they're here for an event, you know, a special one, they didn't realize that they can go through the, the front doors. But yeah. another thing that I was going to mention, too, it, it does help that we are at the center of where, you know, La, La Olvera Street is across the street. Because if there's events out there, yeah. they mm -hmm. tend to wander in here as well. That's or right. if we have, you know, what you will say, a pachanga, basically a big party out yeah. here people do come over and they're that's like what's great. going on with that music yeah. and most of mm -hmm. them are free so people tend to join and walk right and in, walk yeah, right in. yeah they feel welcome I think also a lot of tour groups will come on those big buses oh. they'll come to Olvera Street mm -hmm. and then sometimes they'll come through so maybe avoid a weekday afternoon yeah. for that mm -hmm. reason I would say come on a weekend day because it's always more fun to visit a museum when there's more people yeah. there mm -hmm. in my thing, opinion yeah, yeah. Exactly. makes you feel like you're actually allowed to be there yeah <laughs> so if you know, you're going through the galleries and now you want to learn more about the public programs that's yeah. the opportunity to come and do that because we do have movie screenings we have the mm -hmm. foods oh, yeah. yeah we have so and many we'll do movie on. screenings where the actors will come we yeah. have like an edward james almost series this summer mm -hmm. um i don't know if he's actually coming to that but he has come in the past he's a friend of the museum so that's a perk of being like the only latinx museum in the city of los angeles uh -huh. we won't count the long beach museum we Edward james almost privileges yeah <laughs> and like a lot of like the big mexican or latinx like actors and yeah. directors and producers like they're friends of the museum because we sh routinely will show their work yeah. or yeah. we'll have panels where we want to talk about like representation in Hollywood we have an exhibition right now that talks about representation in Hollywood yeah. so we um, will get a lot of them to come through and Eva Longoria was a founding member of our board. Oh, wow. So, yeah. And it feels very intimate. It's not in comparison to other locations where they have, you know, 800, 900 seats. While here it's much more intimate. Yeah. You know, we do, we are able to fit 2,000 people in on yeah. the campus, but it feels more intimate. You're able to see the person talking That's instead of so seeing close, a big yeah. screen yeah. Um, of their face. Did you show Blood and Blood Out recently? Yes. And did the entire mm -hmm. cast come? I believe so. so okay, yeah. yeah. That I was, was getting, part of this summer series mm -hmm. that we're okay. doing right now. I was getting text messages from my cousin all day, like, you won't believe it like updates yeah no yeah we did i think there was yeah. a, it was an anniversary or something, uh, something perhaps like yeah. 
Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, because a couple years too, we did the suit suit ones as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And we'll be doing stand and deliver later this mm-hmm. summer. Very excited about that. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Very important question. Where should you park if you come here? We have a parking lot if you have cash. Okay. But it's a small one. However, <laughs> just FYI, just because so many people are here because they're coming to Alvera Street, yeah. they're going to the church, they're going to other places or around the area. A lot of area. lawyers park in our parking lot oh. to go down across mm-hmm. the freeway. There's yeah. all of the big law buildings yeah. over yeah. there. So I do the recommend. Courts. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> So the church also has a big, you know, semi-big <laughs> garage space across the street as well. But I would definitely recommend public transit yeah. if you are able to or take an Uber down here. Mm-hmm. So that way you can just go right across the street to Union Station and take and public it's a transit. it's seven-minute walk from yeah. Union Station up the hill to exactly. us. We've timed it. It's very easy. We go yeah. get coffee there frequently. Exactly. <laughs> and also enough. you learn more about LA history because yeah. El Pueblo has a lot of plaques out there that you're able to read. Mm-hmm. Um, as and you walk through. Exactly. And also weekend. over the weekend they have their own book too so yeah. you might as well go over there yeah yeah i would not recommend driving here yeah. um, while we do have a parking lot it is very small and it is kind of expensive as are the other parking lots on the street there's not so much metered parking um mm-hmm. everything's all one ways down yeah. here which reminds us get our parking validated again mm-hmm. before you forget and definitely, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i also recommend uh, carpool if you're able to yeah. like if you're coming with a group of people just come in a van it yeah. makes it so much easier get a u-haul van yeah, yeah. or van. bring yeah. bring the whole fan <laughs> Yeah. Transit. It's that's one of the ways to do it. So now our final question. Aside from the Porto's buffet, Greg made a fool of himself at. Uh, what's the best place to eat around here? We love Porto's here. <laughs> Shout out. We'd love a sponsorship. <laughs> um, my personal favorite is the cafe at the California Endowment. California mm-hmm. Endowment is a nonprofit that is headquartered down the street from us, uh-huh. and they have a cafe called the Rise Up Cafe. And part of California Endowment's mission is to provide health, healthcare, and healthy foods to underserved communities okay. throughout California. So they have this cafe in connection with their mission which is super low cost all the food is organic and locally sourced and it's delicious that's my personal favorite it's a little secret where's that at it is across the street from Philippe's <laughs> yeah it's across the street from, from Philippe's, Philippe's the original yeah okay it's directly across the street so you have to go into their like main building and you have to check in at the front desk but the cafe is free for everyone to use okay, you cool. just have to go mm-hmm. sign in so it's really like it's mostly just the people who work in this area that go there okay um but you'll see like important officials because a lot of meetings take place at the California mm-hmm. Diamond. Secret mm-hmm. Cafe. Cafe with a mission. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm really a big fan of that one as well. And yeah. also across the street from, well, actually within Union Station, um, I think is the Water and Power. They also have their own kind of secret cafe. Cafeteria. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's mostly just people who work ar- in the area yeah. that mm-hmm. go there. Definitely. Um, but also special shout out to Cielito Lindo. Yes. It's like the best taquitos in the city and it's yeah. on, in mm-hmm. Olvero Street. And there's a couple other locations there as well. I mean, I have forgot the name of the location but we went to go get asada fries like oh. a lot of dodger fans tend to go there mr. Churro, there you go it's called mr churro and they have really bomb carne asada fries yes. which are my favorite thing in the world to eat yes definitely so. and of course philippe's filled. also i would recommend philippe's also it's always yeah. packed but definitely go out it's worth the wait yeah, yeah. there's lots of good gems around yeah i think the jewel of new orleans is, yeah. there's actually yeah. like really there's good a literal gem here. it's yeah. called yeah i think it's called the little jewel of new orleans okay. i might be butchering the name but yeah. it's like a cajun spot okay and little tokyo too they have some oh, amazing yeah. food okay. in Chinatown. I mean, it's so extensive. It's yeah, it's ex- great. <laughs> let's extend this to this Grand Central Market. And <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. walk there. It's like a 15-minute yeah. walk. Yeah. yeah, you could walk there. Or you could take public transit <laughs> to it, too. <laughs> I'm all for it. You work for your M- yeah. MTA. I know I should. Suckers. Why not? She, no, I'm good. I love it. Out I'm out all for it. But Esperanza does take public transit to get to work. A lot mm-hmm. of our employees do, oh, which is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Makes it easier. And, of course, because I live in the Westlake MacArthur Park area, I can just take the train and head down here, red or purple line. Pretty nice. Well, thank you both. Yeah.
for letting us interview you and getting us giving us us a tour yeah thank you thanks for having me to be here yeah come back anytime no no never again i'm gonna steal all the portos and run out